Welcome to Breaking Bad News, Apron Food PR's podcast about food brands, recalls, withdrawals, alerts and issues, and the way they're treated in the press and on social media. Welcome to this edition of Breaking Bad News. I'm Jeff Hahn, and with me today is not my buddy Jenny Gorsick. Jenny's out on parental leave. We always wish her the best. It's my buddy Libba Letton. Libba, welcome. Hey, thanks. You um, know Jenny's been out, right? Yes. Yeah, and and so th- trying to find someone who could sit across and talk about things like recalls of the month has been really challenging. But <laughs> when the, Jenny sent me a note and said, don't forget, Libba can do this with her eyes closed. Said, oh, yes, of course. So we're yes. happy to have you here. Thank you. It's going to be a great recall of the month because you're not an ordinary substitute. You are a crisis communication expert, and you spent a lot of time in the food industry. If I remember right, you did um, did some pretty significant time at Whole Foods. That's right. I Sorry. spent many a Friday afternoon on a recall. Sorry, I said I said that as if it was a prison sentence. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was busy work. And you've done work. I think I read in your bio, you right on the eve of Thanksgiving, a turkey farm was getting uh, some major flack, and so you stepped in on that one. That's right. You Animal can, activists. Oh, right, right. And that makes sense. You should expect that every Thanksgiving. Oh, we do now. Yeah. And um, you've done not only incident response, but you've also done a lot of issues management issue forecasting work. That's something that you regularly consult with your clients on. Yeah, prepare, get people prepared for when the inevitable happens. It's going to happen, right? It's not an if. But a win. Yep, yep. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, I think. Uh, We'll come back to it. But I'm so happy you're here. And I get to tell everybody that you're not just here as our friend, but you are a member of our advisory board. That's right. Yeah. No one else wanted to do it because... (laughs) (laughs) because of the work we have to do so that you stepped in bravely and courageously to the advisory board was something special well i appreciate i mean i love a good crisis most people don't so i know it that's a you're a special you have a special genetic disposition to it i do i'm the same way i i I love a good crisis yeah they bring out the best in a, a unique kind of communications pro yeah it keeps me interested and uh keeps life interesting well there's so much interesting things to talk about here. And typically with uh, Recall of the Month, what we do is build a massive amount of suspense. I mean, yeah. I, get, I get a card uh, or letter from somebody <laughs> once a month. I mean, they were just on the edge of their seat. But this time we're going to flip it around. Yeah. We're going to do a little bit of uh, reworking of our format because I want to – plunge down into crisis communications with you and Great. talk about uh, some historical experiences that you've had. And yeah. maybe I'll throw in a few of my own. But uh, so we're going to talk about recall of the month up front. Okay. And then we'll, after the break, we'll slide into fun questions. So are you ready? I am ready. You have chosen your recall of the month. Yes. And I can see it here. I am fascinated to wonder what it might be. Well, for August, I have chosen the American Beef Packers for recall of the month. American Beef Packers. Yes. Uh, Their recall involved about 24,000 pounds of raw beef product. Uh, The USDA's Food and Safety Inspection Service, also known as FSIS, 
put an unfit for human consumption class two recall on the product. Class two? Class two. The beef that was recalled was boneless chucks, sirloins, ribeyes, and tenderloin. Well, 24,000 pounds, relatively speaking, not a big recall. And uh, I don't remember if I saw any news about it. Did did that pop on your radar? Well, it was not a big recall in the scheme of things at all. Um, You really won't find a lot of coverage on this one. In spite of the scary unfit for human consumption phrase, because the USDA characterized this as a class two. A class two recall. That's right. Now, this is instructive. Okay, we have different classes of recalls. I don't know if our listening audience um, is tuned into these perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're wondering about all kinds of cool crisis stuff that we get into. But the recall levels matter because I, they affect newsmaking, I, I expect. They do. And the FDA has different requirements for releasing information about uh, the different classes of recalls, too. Oh, no kidding. Okay, we're going to talk more about that. There, yeah. are, It changes the behavior of a producer mm-hmm. if they've... Uh, wor- and there's um, several classes, so we'll right. talk about that. Let's talk. Let's let's dive into uh, American beef packers, though. What what happened there? Well, what happened in this case specifically was that FSIS was scheduled to test a carcass at the production facility. The carcass, according to normal protocol, was set aside and awaiting inspectors, but then was mistakenly sent down the line for aging and then butchering. Yeah, which is okay. So they they pulled it aside. But then it went back into production. Oops, it looks okay, like, so accidentally. Yeah, yeah. So there were no reports of adverse reactions due to consumption of the products. So this is one of those out of an abundance of caution moves that comes when an inspection protocol gets goofed up. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, but there, it's interesting to be inside of these uh, different classes of recall. This is a class two designation, mm-hmm. as you properly point out. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us the difference between one, two, and are there others? Three. Okay. One, two, and three. There's three. So the USDA has three classifications. Class one says it's a health hazard situation where there's a reasonable probability that the use of the product will cause serious adverse health consequences or death. Oh. Yeah, so that, that feels... is when usually they found you know, um, evidence of a contaminant on the food or people have gotten sick, Yep. Um, that sort of thing. Okay, gotcha. So that's the most serious kind. Class two is where there's a health hazard situation where there's a remote probability of adverse health consequences. That word probability, it's not possibility, but probability, which feels a little higher. Um, the stakes are a little higher. So the USDA does want to act. Yes. But um, remote is the operative term, I reckon. Right. Like a lot of times a class two recall will be um, if it's been mislabeled for uh, an allergen. Absolutely. So it's not going to be, you know, harmful to someone without allergies, but for someone with, they want to know. Yeah, exactly. Jenny and I have talked a little bit about the mislabeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fairly common recall. Absolutely. Issue. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the final one is class three, and that's a situation where use of the product will not cause adverse health consequences. Oh, um, but that's still recallable. Yeah, sometimes it'll be because they feel like the quality isn't going to be as good as they would like it to be. So a, a producer or processor may not, they may not use the words out of an abundance of caution. It, they'll, 
mm, use some other language. They'll in the they'll say something like, um, due to quality standards, ah. we're recalling this product. Right, right. And they will probably add, you know, there's no health reason for this recall. You know, just to make everybody aware. Feel a little bit better sure. about it too. Okay. And so for American beef, this um, in this particular kind of incident. Shouldn't uh, could it have been a class three? There's no real positivity about whether or not the meat that went through was bad or not. It just wasn't inspected. Yeah, and so it's a mistake to send it down the line. It's a mistake That's for sure. But it's not. But we haven't confirmed that it's you know going to cause people to get sick. And in fact, in the in the USDA recall email, I saw that no confirmation of right sickness has occurred. Yeah. Um, do you think it's sort of an obligation of USDA to, they have to err on the side of being more worried? Absolutely. But, and so that's maybe why they bumped it up to class two. Yeah, absolutely. They just have that sort of, I don't know, I guess it's not skepticism or. They're pretty strict. And I think they have to be because, you know, producers, you know, if they feel like they can choose, then they will not err on the side of caution. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. But, um Give me some compare contrast on the class one, class two. American beef was the class two. Are there some class one recalls that um, you can help us get a sense of the field of play? Sure. So class one recalls are health hazard situations. Right. right, right. Reasonable probability exists that use of the product will cause serious adverse health consequences or death. So forget beef products. Let's talk about chicken. Tyson Foods recalled Weaver brand ready-to-eat chicken patty products due to possible foreign matter contamination. There's that word, contamination, you used it earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Purdue Simply Smart Organics poultry products were recalled due to possible foreign matter contamination. Oh, there it is again. Mm-hmm. And then Tip Top Poultry recalled fully cooked poultry products due to possible listeria contamination. Oh, and uh, and those are pretty recent. Yes. All in the past uh, year or? Uh, this in the past month. Oh, no kidding. Oh, well, actually, one of them's from May, but yes. So just in the past couple of months. Exactly. It, that's a pretty consistent pattern. Anytime you have a contamination issue, exactly, you're going to class one. Yep. Yep. The um, especially the listeria that one um, to me has, I guess I would say shades of romaine from last summer. Yes, yes. There's all kinds of romaine recalls. Yes, it w- it reminds me of a peanut butter recall from years ago. Oh, Peanut where Corporation the, of America? Yeah, where the peanuts were bad, and there are peanuts in everything Absolutely. because there is peanut butter in everything. So that just was a major trickle down. That was a huge case, the Peanut Corporation of America. It was because it was like a cover-up. Mm-hmm. It was both crime and cover-up. Yeah. Then I think if I remember right, the CEO went to prison for that. He did. Yeah. He did. This is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, this is not a good business plan. Bad idea. Right. I remember that one because it affected Kellogg's cereal mm-hmm. so much. And you're right. Peanut butter is in everything. It's in every kind of health bar, every kind of granola bar, cookies, candy, besides just plain old peanut butter. Right, right. Even people who don't eat meat use peanut butter as a substitute for flavoring. Yep. In particular uh, recipes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, with those class one recalls, we tend to get more news. Uh, 
Right. And we've talked about in the past the the geographic reasons, if mm-hmm. it's more geographically diverse, if it gets picked up in syndication, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, that's a different behavior on the part of news when it comes to a class one recall. You mentioned earlier when, we're, when we started that there's a different behavior on the part of the provider or processor in a class one. Right. They have to do, they have to take different steps. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about those? Some of that is about how quickly they need to respond. The FDA will uh, give you deadlines for when you need to show them that you are not only following all their instructions for removing products from the shelves and things like that, but they also want you to communicate about it more quickly. Okay, so it's both time and effort are involved. Yes. So if you have a Class 1 recall, the FDA wants to see by the end of the day, your draft of a press release. No kidding. Right. But if it's a class three, they'll say, well, it's Friday. Let's talk on Monday. Gotcha. Okay. And that the adverse health of, uh, effects are the big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any, um, the relationship between USDA and FDA um, is interesting in the recall space because they both get involved in that. Right. If it comes from USDA or FDA, is there an interesting difference, or do they follow basically the same protocol? It's basically the same. Okay. Yeah. Remove from shelves. If you're class one, get the word out right away. Mm-hmm. In a class two, mm, um, that's more preventative. Right. Abundance of caution. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, communicate with those retailers. Right. But there's not like a four alarm fire here. It's not four alarm, but usually they'll still pull product from the shelves. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Like if, you know, again, that's the allergen issue. Right. It might hurt right. some people, but it might not. So out of an abundance of caution, we're going to take all this product off. Just go ahead and uh, remove it from the shelf. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good analogy too. It's a, you know, a four alarm fire. Mm-hmm. It's a, the fire department responds differently. Mm-hmm. Like magnitude. There, right. There's 10 trucks instead of two trucks. Exactly. And a two alarm fire. Right. Yeah. Right. And it also depends. Something else that the FDA wants you to do is put signs in the store. So In a class one? Yes. Okay. So um, we would call them shelf talkers. And there were little signs that you'd put up instead of where the price tag goes. It's a sign where the product would be. And it says, this has been recalled. Here are the issues. Yep. Just to let people know. Also, I guess for the for the shopper, that is, oh, I bought that last week. It's in my freezer. I should throw it away. Yep. Okay. Well, that's not okay. I understand the differences then. And mm-hmm. there are a number of uh, behavior changes on on the part of the producers, the processors, and the retailers that have to take place. Absolutely makes sense. All right. Well, Libba, congratulations from you to American Beef Packers for being chosen this month's Recall of the Month. Sorry about that, American beef backers, but you, you, it's okay. You helped us learn an important dimension of the food and newsmaking nexus, which is always good. So, Libba, let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to test your crisis communication skills with a series of questions that will make most people cry. Bring it on. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. This episode of Breaking Bad News is sponsored by No One because no brands want to be associated with this topic. And can you blame them? The team from Apron Food PR, however, is proud to step into the vacuum. You can learn more about Apron Food PR's brand protection and promotion work by visiting apronfoodpr.com. 
All right, we're back. Libba Lutton is with me. Here we are in the second half of Breaking Bad News for our August 2019 edition. Libba, we've worked our way through the recall of the month. We flipped the script. We, we did. We went early. How's that make you feel? Are you I happy? am feeling so excited. That's good. You've got your <laughs> adrenaline pumping. Oh, yeah. You are um, in business here. I've got my crisis face on. That's it's amazingly powerful because here's what's going to happen next. I'm going to ask you questions that for most people who are in the food business as promoter, they promote new products, they do marketing or good PR. They're very happy about what they're talking about because the food is terrific and wonderful. Um, everything in their world is unicorn and rainbows. Mm -hmm. Everything in your world is the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Yeah, it's tornadoes and hurricanes and, you know, sharknadoes, what have you. <laughs> Listeria. Right. I mean, you get up in the morning and say, come on, E. coli. Yeah, bring it. It's weird. I mean, it's a it's a strange way to make a living in some respects. I like solving problems, and I like saying yes. And so people who don't like crisis and are freaked out by it, if they come to me and say, oh, my God, I have this terrible thing. Can you help me? I can look at them and say, yes. They'll take care of that for you. You bet. Yeah. No problem. It's sort of one of those uh, hold my beer moments. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Stand back. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of feel the same way. I got into the crisis communication business years ago when I worked at Motorola in the semiconductor industry. Mm -hmm. And in semiconductor products, you're dealing with the most hazardous chemicals known to the earth. If any, even a, a drop eyedropper full of that gets out, you've just evacuated a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so it really gave me a great deal of, of uh, respect for those who could stand in mm -hmm. and very coolly mm -hmm. work their way down through, okay, here are the people, here are the messages, here mm -hmm. are the messengers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do you have to, do you go through your own sort of internal formula when you do uh, an engagement with a client that I'm going to work down through this checklist in my in my head? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, first of all, you just have to get the who, what, when, where, why. What, that's what the news is going to ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I ask them to walk me through it. And um, I say, you know, take me through it like I know nothing about your industry. Right. And then what I think one thing that I can bring to the table is reminding people how the outside world is going to perceive what's happening. Because people will think, well, if we just do this, it'll stop. And I'll say, well, if you do that, here's what people are going to think. Yeah. So here's you, how it's going to look. That's important. You're actually representing the viewing or reading audience, the public. You're the public right, eyes. Right. In right. the war room. Yeah. And um, you said something interesting that um, I don't know anything about your industry. So what you imply in that is that you can take the same checklist, mm -hmm. the same perspective, and apply it to just about any category. It doesn't have to be food. That's right. And you've done work in all kinds of different places. I've done work for high-tech companies. I've done work for, um, I did a crisis communications plan for a church Yes. in Washington, D.C. So they not only had to think about, you know, everything that any kind of business or organization goes through, but they also had, what if there's a terrorist attack? Ah, because right. we're in the nation's capital. And yeah. what if... Uh, you know, our church gets hurt, or what if we need to open up our church to people who need help? Exactly. I mean, think about it just from a perspective here in Texas. What does a church do in a hurricane evacuation? Right. How do they respond? And 
make themselves part of the response network. Exactly. That, you know, they have to think about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. That means, of course, then the advice that you give to clients and prospects really is about when, not if. Yes, yes. That's funny. You know, I um, wonder why every business doesn't have a crisis communication plan. I had a, a client, a potential client, call me last week, and she said, I just bought this company, and the first thing I did was ask them where their crisis communications plan was, and everybody looked at her and kind of said, huh? <laughs> and I said, well, let me say you are one out of 100 people because, you know, there's 90, for every one of you, there's 99 other people who say, you know, I'm so busy, I just cannot handle that right now. I know. I hear that, too. It's like, um, we'll get to that someday. Yeah. And you just give them your business card. Yep. That's right. right. I'll help you when it happens. Kind of put it in a, one of those in case of fire break glass. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it is um, for those who, in fact, do go through the planning process. What's your uh, what's your reaction or the reaction that they give you once they're done and gone through that? They've got a plan. They've practiced a little bit. Do you, are they a different uh, company or a different business once they go through that process? I think so. Or at least I think the people who have gone through the process have a sense of relief. I think that maybe whether they knew it or not, this was something that was bothering them, that ah. they didn't have their safety net in place. And now they feel like, oh, I can relax a little bit because at least I have an idea of what might happen and I know how to handle it if it does. Yeah, it's almost like uh, living without an insurance policy Yeah, on your home or life insurance. Um, if you don't have a plan, you're walking around without a safety net. Yeah, and often people, who they don't know the extent of what they don't know. You know, I will start asking them questions about their business and I say, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And lots of questions are obvious, but some are not. And then I said, well, you know, this could happen too. And they say, oh, you're kidding. I never even thought of that. <laughs> oh, no. You're, the, you're my worst nightmare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you ever get invited to leave? <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully. Yeah, once a client really has their heads wrapped around, hey, you know what? This is important for us to do. Uh, my experience has been they're actually, they love seeing you leave, uh, but they're grateful that you came. Exactly. Yeah. I did a simulator not too long ago, and I introduced it to the, the group. I said, by the time we're done here, you're going to hate my guts. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, you're going to think, that's a cool guy. Oh, yes. I've, I've done those where people are absolutely white as a ghost about having to do a media training where they're on camera and then when I attack them with the hard questions they you know freeze up but afterwards they said I was so nervous about having to do that and I'm so glad I've done it yeah 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 I think that's an important message you know when we try and help people through this process almost like planning your own estate of, mm -hmm. yes there is going to come a day when things happen right and you're not going to be able to make decisions then you need to have your plan. Right. Might as well face it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I now, um, I, earlier before our break, I teed up and said, I'm going to ask you questions that would make most people cry. <laughs> Maybe these aren't that tough. But, right. Um, but they do get us into, in the work that you do especially, they do get you into territory like, um, oh, this is really challenging, really mm -hmm. complex. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had, uh, let me ask you about the, the strangest incident that you've mm -hmm. ever had to get uh, plunked down into. It's almost like, uh, come on, sit down. Here's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Mm. 
Well, the situation I have in mind is, is weird in the sense that it, it didn't attract attention from the traditional media. Everything about it happened online. Oh, uh, okay. It was an online thing. It was yep. an online thing. So there was an employee, a disgruntled employee at one of our stores when I was with Whole Foods yep. who wrote a three-page, single-spaced screed against the company for why we were terrible to work for. And he had a couple of good little jabs in the first paragraph, but he went on and on, and he covered everything, and he accused Whole Foods of all these different things, like not really recycling, throwing it away instead of having it, things like that. And typically our response when things happen online this was picked up by like BuzzFeed or somebody. Oh, okay. Yeah. So everybody was commenting on it. It was all delightful, you know, snarkiness, and and I needed to put out the fire. And so I started cataloging all of his, uh, you know, um, accusations and coming back with what are the answers and how are we going to respond. And finally, I was like, you know what? This is going to turn into a thing. Nobody really thinks that Whole Foods does all these things that he accuses us right. of. They don't really care. We need to just take the high road. Let's stop all of this messaging we're doing. And, uh, and when people ask us, you know, we had calls in, what do you, how, what's your response? I said, let's just say, you know what? We wish this employee the best. And we, uh, you know, we're sorry he feels that way. And good luck in his future travels. No kidding. Even though inside of the war room, mm -hmm. everybody's freaked out saying, hey, we've got to respond. We've got to, we got to, um, set the record straight exactly we got to get our story out we got to get out in front of this which is impossible and dumb to say but right um but your judgment in that moment was let's not escalate this yeah let's just let's just take the high road and there's nothing else to talk about they've already laughed and had fun with his letter now they want to laugh and have fun with our response and let's just not go there don't give them anything to respond to. That's right. And the result was? And the result was people stopped talking about it and moved on immediately. Because there's another one coming up in the next 24 hours. Exactly. I had a very similar case to that. I, I looked at this um, online posting. The client was really wrapped up, very um, shook up about what was said. I looked at it and I thought to myself, hmm, this isn't going anywhere. There were something like five responses. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah. Why don't we just not say anything and see what happens? Mm -hmm. Well, the client was very rattled. Oh, we got to say something. Got to right. do something. And it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to help them know uh, to redirect their energies in a positive or productive way because mm -hmm. they want to defend their reputation. Absolutely, action but, feels good. And sometimes, though, it's not the right thing. It's not, or not the best thing. Right. Yeah. In this case, the way I reshaped that client was. Mm -hmm. Let's work together on an email that you send to customers if a customer sees Excellent. the idea, the, the news article. Mm -hmm. And that gave him that um, let off a little steam. Yes. And let him feel like they were he was doing something right. and you were still putting the messaging together. Yep. Which sometimes this job is about helping your client process their emotions around the crisis. Exactly. Which is why I send them a bill no matter what. <laughs> Because I'm not a hugger. I don't want to have to deal with the emotions. Right, right. But I mean, I've been in situations where an executive wanted to take um, a document and repost it on their website. And so instead, I was able to talk this guy into taking that same document and posting it on a special, like a dark URL. Ah. And I was like, if people ask questions, we will send them to this site. 
and he immediately just sort of deflated yep. and relaxed and because he felt like he was doing something but I was helping him not keep it alive yeah you helped him not do something without mm-hmm. him knowing it exactly did you ever see the um, here was an example of a company a brand really fighting back by reposting negative um, Walmart I don't know when this was it was years ago mm-hmm. they took a New York Times article that was beating them up about labor, uh, how much they paid people, right, and all kinds of, and they red penned it. And like every other word or two, they drew a big line outside of it and said, Oh, this is inaccurate because and, and uh, it was a terrific way to respond to this article, because they had so many issues, mm-hmm. they felt like they had to do something, mm-hmm. then they posted their red penned response to the New York Times reporter. And it said on top, Thanks for sharing your first draft with us. Oh. You may want to take these comments into consideration. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was awesome. I like that a lot. I use it sometimes as an example. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I can, I'll can i call it, uh, well, one of your options is the Walmart red pen. Yeah, yeah. But very effective. Yeah. But to your point, it gave them something to do. It made right. them feel productive. Right, especially when they feel attacked. Yes. When they feel under attack. Right, and that um, that gets very personal very fast. Yes, and you, you get that old gut pretzel. Mm-hmm. You have to end up saying things like, "I can't imagine how frustrated you are right now." Mm-hmm. It is funny that we have to um, move into those emotive types of conversations, mm-hmm. almost like you're patting them on the hand. Let them feel mirrored and feel seen, and that helps them relax a little bit. Right, right. Not to get into my therapy language, but. <laughs> If this job is part therapist. That's true. All right, um, Dr. Libba, why don't I <laughs> launch another one at you? That was a good, that's good. So in strange situations, odd, very challenging, even complex, one of the techniques that we can use is give our clients something productive to do. Mm-hmm. And it may not be responding to the press. Right. It may be some other productive activity. Right. As long as they feel like they're in action. Exactly. All right, here's another one. Um, have you ever given clients great advice and you know, oh, this is nails. Mm -hmm. Just do this. Just say these five words Mm -hmm. and everything gets better. Mm -hmm. And they just won't do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a client who had some content that he wanted to post and I knew that his target audience was not going to respond well. And I tried giving that feedback. I said, look, this is just not going to turn out the way you think. And he was very emotionally invested in it. And he was like, no, I need to, I need to get this out there. And I said, I disagree. And he said, I'm going to do it. And I said, all right, then I'll help you however you need me. And it turned out to be, you know, my advice was right. He had an explosion of upset customers and, and, um, it lasted for a long time and they needed whole strategies to sort of dig out of that. And once we were finished, he came to me and said, you know what, you told me to not do this, and I ignored you, and I shouldn't have, and I'm sorry, and I appreciate you sticking with me through it. Yeah, then you make him buy you a beer or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. You get, get, (laughs) let's get to the bar right now. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It is true, and it happens, um, again, kind of to that back to this theme that's shaping up of the emotional tenacity these issues uh, have around people's 
minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 aren't themselves in mm-hmm. these situations no. because it's so odd. Right. It's so different than what even executives are used to dealing with. Right. And a lot of times their natural responses, which it's understandable the response that they have they want to take certain actions and when i'm telling them that's the opposite of what they need to be doing that's just so frustrating and hard to hard right. to digest yeah yeah exactly my doctor i went and saw not too long ago he's told me i needed to be doing three things yes. differently mm-hmm. and i just couldn't uh, accept those that <laughs> advice <laughs> don't you have some medicine what's this exercise you keep talking about yeah, that's right <laughs> exercise and diet come on exactly isn't medical science advanced right oh my gosh all right here's another question for you that i think that you'll enjoy um trying not to cry uh-huh. when you ask it mm-hmm. people um come ask you everyone let's say you're at like at a holiday party okay all right and a person comes up and says, oh, yeah, it's a Libba. Uh, what is it that you do? Mm-hmm. And then you have to tell them, well, I'm a crisis communication expert. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing they want to know is, tell me something good. What do you, what do you tell oh, them? Oh, they, they... They want to know about a case. They kind of look at me and they're like, what, what does that mean? And I look at them and I say, lawsuits and recalls, baby. <laughs> Bring it on. You know, someone being sued? Let me know. Sexual harassment? Favorite day of the week. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then they probably turn away quickly. Yes, they do. Or they say, I don't know how you do that. Do you really do that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then I get to explain how much I love it and I'm weird. But, you know, there we are. <laughs> well, no, back to our earlier conversation. It takes a special kind of uh, genetic makeup in mm-hmm. this. And that, that somehow or another... Um, gives you a migration capability into this space mm-hmm. of the of the work. Yeah, which it it's unique. It's yeah. unusual. All right, I have one more question. Okay, and you know Russ Ray. Yes, our shop, Russ produces our podcast for us. He's also the trainer of our Predictive Media Network media training. Yeah, it's the best media training that anyone could ever get. Yes, it's the top notch media training in the industry. Yes. There's no better media training. Russ, should I stop? Okay. I've, I've done it, and I've been through it myself, so I can attest. No kidding. Yeah. Well done. Nice plug. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done plugging predictive media. But I will say this about predictive media. There's one question in the series of questions that a reporter always asks. There's, there's only six. They ask them in a sequence, and here's the hardest question you could ever get asked. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? And the answer to this is never no. Very well said. <laughs> because that is a freebie softball question, and it gives you your chance to repeat your key messages and the things that you want to say. See, that's what a pro knows. And because your instinct is, is again, exactly the opposite, right? Yeah, most people are so glad that the interview's over that they go, oh, no, 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 we're good. I'm done. No, and, yeah, yeah, I no, got it. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, and I have to stand behind the reporter waving my hands and making the, <laughs> you know. But but yeah, it's absolutely when you need to you need to state what you're what you want and what you're doing. You have to restate your headline and maybe some different words. Yep. One of the worst um, habits, maybe inexperienced, mm-hmm. I guess, is probably the more accurate way to think about it. If you're inexperienced at fielding that one question, mm-hmm. Your tendency is to say, like I said, right. instead of restating the idea, the one main point that mm-hmm. you want to get out mm-hmm. in a full soundbite. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to learn that. Mm-hmm. Well, Libba, do you have a headline takeaway for this issue, this episode of Recall of the Month? For Recall of the Month this month, I would say for when your recall happens, not if, you need to be prepared. Well said. Well said. No matter what class you're in. That's right. No matter what class. you got to have a plan. That's right. That's a great bottom line and a great way to wrap up the August recall of the month. Libba, this has been a lot of fun. Hey, I had a great time. You're really good at this. I I might have to extend Jenny's parental leave for her because it's more fun to have you. You know, it's not more fun. It's probably just as fun. <laughs> I know Jenny. I'm not going to elbow her out of the out of the spotlight here. Well, the good thing is I don't think Jenny listens to the podcast, so <laughs> she won't know I said that. <laughs> Libba, thanks very much. It's my pleasure. Bye. Thank you for listening to Breaking Bad News. Subscribe and learn more at apronfoodpr.com. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes. It really helps. Mm-hmm.